Ladies and gentlemen, guys and gals, non-binary pals, and the technical rainbow in between, this is Modular Media Wrestling Podcast, one day late because <laughs> real life is a bitch. Uh, I am your host, Chris Boyinger, Ryder Gaston, and with me, as always, is my tag team partner in this endeavor. The Vacuuminator, letting you know that uh, right about now, it's a pretty good time to either read for the first time or reread Superman Smashes the Clan. Because we need to stop Asian hate. Yep. It, it, eh. I just didn't know much to say. I wasn't thinking about that when we started. I mean, isn't it, isn't it wonderful that we, we have to say that now? That it's gotten to that point in our society? Here's the thing. People just need to care less about just like if you see something like that happen, just smack him on top of the head. It's like, what the fuck are you doing, bro? Indeed, you can do that. But this is Modular Media Wrestling Podcast, the wrestling podcast done by Modular Media, where these two chuckle fucks decide, hey, no, it's a good idea. Us having no prior experience in the re- professional wrestling world, talking about professional wrestling as if we know what the fuck's going on. Indeed. That was how was your week? Uh it's pretty solid. Uh, mostly just just working, just going through the routine. But sh- stuff got done. There was very few hiccups, and that's about the best I can ask for these days. Yeah, some some real life things kind of popped up on my end, so that's why we delayed it. Uh, t- My mic disconnected. Can you hear me? All right, cool. I'm just making sure everything's functioning as it is. Talk to me real quick. I'm checking the levels. Uh. Yep, but now I got to make sure your thing is getting it right because it does... Hold on a, hold on a second. I don't know what's going on. It's not picking up your audio, so give me half a tick. I think I know what's going on. Can you talk to me? Sensational Steve, or um, 
Uh, Oblivious Orange. That's the gentleman who's over your shoulder on the stream right now. Uh, I, oh. I hear myself. Yeah, no. Okay, I just, I just got it. I just got everything kind of situated. Can you talk? Yes. Okay. Sounds like I'm a little echoey via the stream, but it may, not... it may have been fine. Then I don't know, but as it is, test, 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 test. Actually, testing now. Testing. How do I sound? Woo! Can you hear me? Yes. Saying words. I gotta wait for the stream to catch up. <laughs> Always gotta do that. Yep, it sounds fine to me. Yeah, I just it's gotta, simple. I just gotta get it on one more part. We're live, people. If you didn't know this, we're live, pal. This will put butts in seats. <laughs> Give me, give me, give me. Tony Schiavone has like apologized to McFoley for that comment like twenty times. Oh, I, I have no doubt. Tony Schiavone seems like a, a ultimate gentleman when it comes to things of that nature. He was told to say that. Mm hmm. Speaking of, I don't know if uh, no, you didn't have it on the thing. Uh, real quick at the top, why don't we just talk about the fact that Tony Schiavone is doing a Kickstarter for uh, a comic book about his life, go check it out. We don't have a link for it, but like you can probably go Tony Schiavone yeah. graphic novel and go support it if you want to. He's doing a, he's, he's doing what Jim Cornette did, except like he's a way better person than Jim Cornette. So he probably actually deserves to have this happen. Yeah. Also like he's like, here's the thing. Jim Cornette is, was in wrestling he is a fixture of wrestling history. Name a big angle that is still relevant today that Jim Cornette was a part of. Still relevant today? The only Jim Cornette angle I ever actually remember is that he led the 90s NWA invasion of the WWF. Yeah. That's the only thing I ever remember him doing. I know he's done other stuff. Now, Tony Schiavone, what has he done? That's still relevant he, today. He is the nicest man. He does the AEW podcast. He does the AEW commentary. He does the AEW interviews. He does. He he worked in a coffee shop. He uh, allowed Britt Baker to turn heel. He uh, also did that'll put butts in seats, which is probably one of the most relevant things of the uh, of the Monday Night Wars. Mm -hmm. And he. Uh, you know, he told Marco Stunt to shut the fuck up. Nobody cares. It's a throwback to a couple weeks ago on, on the show. Yep. Yeah. How about that? I'm good at this. Yeah. Speaking of being good at this, so uh, even though you're not watching WWE, you're still watching the toy news for WWE. <laughs> yeah, because, like, Fuck it. I still like the wrestlers that work there. I still want action figures of them. I still have good memories of the wrestlers. Just because I don't like the company doesn't mean I don't like the the wrestlers. And I'm not directly giving money to WWE. 
by buying those figures. That money goes to Mattel. Mattel has a standing contract with WWE. So really, how many figures I buy doesn't really affect how much money WWE gets from Mattel. It's it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. I'm not compromising my morals at all. Anyways, we got new reveals from Mattel uh, this week. <laughs> you took a um, long route to get on my fucking Segway. <laughs> I just I I wanted to do that for a while now, and you gave me an opportunity, so I went for it. But um, after we went off the air last week, we got the reveal of uh, WWE Elite Collection Top Picks 2021. I believe they do two top picks waves per year, like one at the beginning of the year and one at the end of the year. And it's meant to be just like, hey, these figures in particular sold really well, so let's put them all in a wave plus a new one. So, uh, in this wave, we have a re-release of Heel Roman Reigns, a re-release of WWE Champion Drew McIntyre. Uh, I believe it's a, a re-release of Dr. Fugonomics John Cena. I think they've done that that specific year before. And we're getting a modern Rey Mysterio, specifically based off of the gear he wore in the infamous Eye for an Eye match. Does it come with an eye accessory? No, that'd be too tiny for Mattel to make. They'd have to make like a whole new mold. And how are they ever gonna? How are they ever gonna pack that in with another filter? Like, you know, Jazzwares would have made a fucking little tiny eye. Yeah, but that's the difference between Jazzwares and Mattel. Mattel will only make a new piece if they can use it again like eighty thousand times. Uh, I wonder how long their chair molds last. Probably a good while. Uh. But, uh, yeah, these look fine. Uh, there's some minor tweaks and updates here. I'm low-key interested in Champion Drew. Uh, Heel Roman was after I stopped watching, so not not really super interested, but it's cool that it's getting back out there. Fugonomics Cena, people are nostalgic for that, so yeah, go ahead and get that cheddar with that figure being released. And... I am honestly kind of low-key interested in Eye for an Eye match Rey Mysterio, just because I came into Rey Mysterio at the beginning of his WWE nostalgia run that kind of concluded recently with that whole malarkey. Um, so, like, a more modern-looking Rey Mysterio would be the kind of Rey Mysterio I want. I don't know if it's necessarily this version... There's a part of me that's low-key always wanted to get that Rey Mysterio and Samoa Joe WrestleMania 2-pack, just so my Rey Mysterio figure can be the the Mysterio-themed WrestleMania gear that he wore for all of 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, I don't know. If I, if, I saw, if I saw Drew or Rey in stores, I might grab them off the pegs, but definitely not something I would pre-order. Something I would pre-order, however is uh, just a couple days ago, we got the reveal of WWE Ultimate Edition Wave 9. And it is a classic, not quite Horseman era, during his WWF champion run, Ric Flair. But he, it's close enough, and he comes with the hand to do the sign, which is a new piece. They molded that for this figure, which kind of looks a little bulbous and disproportioned, but you know what? I'll take it. Um, How much you want to bet that's not a new new piece? That's a reissue of, like, an Arn Anderson figure. 
Potentially, maybe, probably. I don't know. I haven't looked into it. Because Arn Anderson um, is a bigger full, a bigger dude. That's true. But then also, we have Stone Cold Steve Austin. And this is just straight up Mattel's take on the figure Steve Austin. Which, if you'll recall, I sold a while back because it wasn't in scale with any other wrestling figures. I really bought this because it looks just as good to me. I'm sure there's probably like some slight limitation differences and like it doesn't come with the beer cans or the the eye faces or the articulated hands so he can flip the bird. But Mattel's not going to give you those parts. Those, those just aren't parts you can put on a retail children's toy. But I... I, I really like it. I think I think this Stone Cold looks fantastic. I think this word flare looks really good. This is definitely a wave I am I am very tempted to buy. Uh I just realized that if Monkey Ito gets an AEW figure, she may not be able to have her birds. No, she definitely won't. Unless she's like a ringside exclusive. I can see them doing a ringside exclusive version so they can have birds. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, good, good reveals this week. Good, solid stuff. Uh, definitely, definitely happy with what we've been able to see. And, you know, there may be, there may be more in the coming weeks, a lot more in the coming weeks, because uh, Mattel tends to reveal stuff during San Diego Comic-Con, and at WrestleMania fan access. So, nice nice. we'll see. But then also, and I'm guessing you didn't watch it. I'm going to be completely honest. What I watched this week was Dynamite. Like, real life just kind of took the front burner. Everything else kind of took a back burner. That's, you know what, that's fair. That, that shit happens. It's yeah. okay. I'm just saying I this. So, I you know. Care. Let me take the show. Tissue box. This is a show. I got you this week. All right, you're you're the only camera on right now, other than the tiny one right. that always appears behind your V. Because I'm Excellent. just like my head's like right in the middle of your V right now. Ah, so we had uh, sacrifice 2021 from the Impact Wrestling people. Correction, sacrifice. You yeah. got a Steiner, it man. At sacrifice. Oh, yes. Of course. Get your math right. Get your math right. Well, uh, I'll tell you who had a 33 and a third percent chance of winning the tag titles, and that was Finn Juice. The Good Brothers have been dethroned. It's a whole thing. It's a decent match. Good Brothers are getting some good heat in on the TV show. All right. I really wish Impact would stop hot-shotting their tag titles, but hot-shotting their titles has always been an impact TNA thing. So, like... Um, Ace Austin became the X Division champion. Good for him. He's a good lad. I still don't care about the X Division championship. Like, there's good people in that division right now. It's just, there's no interesting storylines. Yeah, and in right now, just coming, just looking at Impact as a relatively new, casual fan of it, it feels like it's going off the fumes of the excellent X Division that they used to have in the past, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it, it is coasting on its legacy right this moment. 
it's the uh, it's the Intercontinental Championship, to be frank with you. Um, Last time that title but, was relevant was, was on a, when it was on The Miz. Mm-hmm. Because he really cares about that title. And you and you believed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we had uh, the big thing. Rich Swan uh, defeated Moose and became the United Impact World Heavyweight Champion. And he is set to defend his title against Kenny Omega's AEW World Championship at Rebellion in April. Rich Swan, we thank you for your sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, this pay-per-view <laughs> name is a f- goddamn... It's foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish they had thrown a, a, a TNA thing in that title. Just for, like, the, the goofs. The, the impacts... Uh, a, Impact a World a. Heavyweight TNA Champion. Yeah, yeah, that could work. Treat it like a treat it like a New Japan does uh, IWGP. That's the mm. governing body, but New Japan is the wrestling. Okay, yeah, I like that. TNA is the governing body. <laughs> Impacts the wrestling. I like how I like how you said the governing body, and then you immediately realize the other thing that insinuates. <laughs> Folks, there's a reason uh, why the titles of our podcasts are somewhat porny because it just fits with wrestling. Uh-huh. There's a fine line wrestling constantly walks between legitimately interesting combat sports and gay porno. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that to be derogatory, it goes for the ladies too. Oh yeah, uh, we'll uh, we'll get to that. We'll get we'll, we'll get to that. God, Jade Cargill just 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 having her way with her opponent. <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, but tell me about being the elite it. boy. Yes, I I did be the elite this week, and did uh, you be that elite? Opened... Be the elite. I did. I did be the elite. I be the literally. There's a photo I put out this week of me doing that symbol, uh, not to represent the elite, to represent a Power Rangers thing. But I did that pose this week. Hey, um, but uh, there was an opening segment where basically uh, somebody tells a joke in the locker room, and Matt Jackson does the <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> And Matt Hardy comes up, and he goes, look at the sign. And the camera just pans over, and it says, do not slap me while laughing. And he goes, you youngsters, you don't know anything. You don't know the dangers of slapping your knees. You're going you're gonna to mess those kneecaps up one day. So I put in a rule in my personal <laughs> locker room that there will be no knee slapping while I'm around, or do you have to pay a fine? Of course it's fucking Matt Hardy. Mm-hmm. Jesus fucking Christ, him and his knobby-ass knees. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was a funny thing. Uh, and then we had a brief montage of all the bits of Hangman mentioning that he wants a lawnmower 
like that he needs a new lawnmower in BT and on Dynamite, which was far more numerous than I've realized. They've been they've been low key tossing that into things for like months and months. Long term booking. Long term exactly. booking. Speaking of long term um, booking, remind me when we get to uh, uh, Pinnacle. Yeah. Um. Then Hangman went over to the Dark Order, and he was like, all right, guys, so I think I have everything straightened out here. I think I paid it all off, but let me just, let me make sure I have all these charges straight. Let me read off some of these charges to you, and you guys just let me know if you, you recognize them. And the first thing he says is lever bondage gear. And Evil Uno just goes, oh, yeah, that was me. That was me. I was getting new ring gear. And they're like... <laughs> Dude, that's uh, that's not what that means. You might want to return that. <laughs> Why? I have so much breezy room now in my pants. <laughs> uh, and I also have this very hard silicone weapon. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. Some of the other ones. Uh, Stu Grayson got 900 uh, purple roses sent to Anna Jay's hospital room. Um... John Silver ordered a hundred pounds of raw meat and a uh, Japanese Rosetta Stone. Um, oh, mm. yeah. Uh, um, ten ordered. There was a charge that literally just said a a metric ton of drugs, and they go, and they go, "Who was that?" And ten was like, "Oh, it was me." And they're like, "What?" And he goes, performance enhancers. And they're all like, okay, yeah, 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 okay. Uh, and then, um, what was it? Oh, I was trying to remember something else really funny that I wanted to bring up. It'll come to me later. But um, uh, Hang Hangman's like, I think I can cover this all. I got to check again with Tony and see if he already donated all the money. Uh, but whatever. Um, you guys go. You guys go have fun. Let's go get dinner. And most of the Dark Order walks out. And then when they're all just off camera, um, because he's the dad, Colt Cabana stops Hangman and he goes, "You want me to cover it? Yeah, that would be really nice. What's your Venmo? It's a uh, big tough cowboy at hotmail dot com." Oh, that's so nice. That's sweet. Yeah. Uh. So that was cute, and then we had a, a little story Hold on, segment. I'm being hailed. Oh my god. It's half past 11, sir. And we're back, folks. Sorry about that. Alright, so continuing on with BT, we had a segment where the Matt Hardy Empire uh, all get together and get acquainted. Uh, basically, Mark Quinn and Isaiah Cassidy are with Matt Hardy in the bar, and he's still eating his grapes, still being sour. And they're like, "Matt, are you okay? Are you, are you, man, are you back on the stuff? We need to get you help." And he's and he's like, "No, no, I'm fine. I'm just, I'm just always hungry now for some reason. Just leave. It. Don't worry. All right. Um. So, question number two: Why'd you hire them?" And the camera just pans over to the freebies sitting at a table in the corner, just like. For audio listeners, I'm glowering. Uh, and uh, they um, walk over to them, and Matt's like, 
these guys are great. Have you seen them in the ring? They they kick all kinds of ass. They're going to be a great attribute to our group. They're just a they they have the same contracts as you guys. There's no special treatment here. They're they're given their thirty percent just like you. And you know it's it's going to be a really a really strong union between all of us. I think. Um, I mean, just just check out this guy. Just check out Blade here. Blade's Blade's awesome. Look at Blade. Look at this mask. Isn't it cool? And they're like, it's kind of weird and creepy. I don't know. He's like, oh, Blade's normal. Blade's totally normal. Here, Blade, you want a grade? And Allie just reaches over and unzips his mask slowly. And then his mouth just shunts down like a drawbridge gate. And Matt slowly and carefully inserts the grape into his mouth. And he doesn't start chewing until Allie zips the zipper back. Great. Especially when we remember that Ali is married to that man. Mm-hmm. And, and Matt just turns back to them and goes like, See? Totally normal. I told you. And walks away. I mean, this man did have to deal with The Undertaker and Kane and Mankind and the <laughs> Dudleys. The freebies are a walk in the park to Matt Hardy. Oh, you're just a weird dude with a zipper mouth? I've dealt with people like you before. Ain't, ain't, ain't any worse than Itchweed. For for Matt, Matt Hardy's like like walking up to a private party like, for you, meeting Butcher and Blade was the craziest moment of your career. For Matt Hardy, it was Tuesday. No, for Matt Hardy, it's Wednesday. And you know what that means. Hey! Um, uh, and he also says some stuff about like how he's going to crush the Dark Order because they screwed him out of signing Hangman, blah, blah, blah. Um, we then go back to the Dark Order, who have the the unfortunately tokens follow-up segment with Maki Ito, where it's basically Maki starts performing her song, and Dark Order are like, half-acidly trying to dance to it in the background, and she just stops halfway through looks at them dancing and goes, wow, shitty dancers, later motherfuckers, and walks off. I mean, they had to give a kayfabe reason why why she has to be back in Japan right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was a really weird comedy skit segment where all the members, all the Latina members of the roster who have a faction that's only on BTE all have nightmares and they're being hunted down by Alex Operhentes cosplaying as Freddy Krueger because he's brainwashed into being in the Dark Order but only on BTE right now I every time I have to talk about this story it's just the weirdest fucking thing I mean in context does it make sense kinda Who's in the faction, by the way? Who's in this, like, BTE Latino faction? Well, Alex Operhentes was in it. Uh, Dasha Gonzalez, uh, Santana Ortiz, Sammy Guevara. I think that's it? Um, no, Operhentes has a YouTube channel, right? I didn't. I think it's a toy-based one. I'll have to look into this. Hold on. Um... Continue with your BTE. I'm looking it up because I saw it on Reddit. Okay. Uh, then we got a segment with 
the clergy, as they're being called now, uh, Nyla Rose, Vicky Guerrero, and Ryzen, where uh, uh, they basically decide, like, you know, just shaking down people pretending to be a church to get money is getting really old. We need to try something else. And they all think about it really hard. They all try to come up with, like, a really good idea. And then Ryzen's just like, why don't we just steal shit? And they're like, oh, yeah, that. And so there's a montage of them going around and stealing signature items from roster members. And then we find out that apparently they sold them all on eBay. Um, and then Fuego del Sol just walks up behind them and is like, hey, can I get on on that? And they're like, yeah, we'll sell your mask. And they beat the shit out of him, take his mask, and walk off. You know, it would be interesting if they played more into, like, uh, like, uh... Like, uh, uh, ghost-style clergy. That'd be cool. Uh, and then the final segment on BT this week was Hangman, uh, coming up to Private Party, who are in the bar alone, and he goes like, Hey guys, I got beef with Matt, I don't got beef with you, I just want to talk, I just want to talk. I'm like, look, I know you're already locked into those deals and whatnot, but like... I've been in a big group before and seen it gone south, and I'm just saying, Matt's a weird guy, and, like, Butcher Blade and Bunny, they're... I don't know about them. Just be careful. Just be careful, all right? From from one one guy to, to two others. Be careful. Also, uh... I think I, I, I overdo this. And he gives them the $12, and as they're counting it up to make sure it's correct... Because it's a ten and two ones. <laughs> he takes he takes their two little glasses of vodka and just walks off. And they're like, "You motherfucker!" And that ends BTE. It's a YouTube channel where he streams toy unboxings. Oh no, it's unboxings of a general. Uh, unboxing Mission Havoc, also known as Transformers Minasaur. Unboxing Transformers Masterpiece Black Convoy MP10B. Oh, he's a he's a masterpiece third party core guy. Okay. Uh, unboxing new DJI uh, FPV drone. Unboxing Mondo T's official Skeletor action figure. Largest Megatron statue that you've ever seen. And then okay. like a couple of old Spanglish segments from BTE. So not my kind of toy content, but relevant toy content nonetheless. Yeah, but it's like it's not. It's kind of cool. It's like it's not wrestling figures. It's it, it, it's it, it's Transformers and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, we did have a new signing to AEW this week, and kind of one we've been waiting for for quite a long time. Uh, Layla Hirsch is all elite. Wrestling Supergirl herself is uh, finally signed to the company. You know, we've been talking about Layla ever since she first showed up and how awesome we think she is. How she totally belongs in Team Taz just for her wrestling style alone. And, like, gotta do more with her because she's great. She is a future AEW Women's Champion, no doubt in my mind. And apparently she's been signed since, like, End of last year. They just officially oh, really? made the announcement. That makes sense, because I remember hearing on Unrestricted once that they're very specific about 
when they put out those is all elite graphics and who they give them to. Um, but yeah, that's cool. I'm glad Layla's uh, officially with the company and I can't wait to see more out of her. Um, and speaking of seeing more out of AEW, we had the first episode of AEW Dark Elevation this week. Chris, did you watch this? I got to the... I Okay, on my Discord server, there is a channel just for talking about wrestling because we used to just talk about wrestling in Vax Discord server. Then he deleted it. So I was like, Nobody I else was in it besides me and you. Nobody was active in it besides me and you. Yep. So I just went like, fuck it. I'll I'll put this in here for us. Uh, and I posted a picture of a pause I had of Jungle Boy, and it was just like a perfect face for a reaction image. That's as far as I got. It's not very bad. No. Okay. Why don't I we just keep the it? Whole thing. Just give general thoughts on the whole thing, and you don't have to go into any matches or yeah, whatnot. Yeah, I didn't write down the card. Um, I mean, like, this was fairly solid. It's a good midpoint in terms of, like, quality and overall presentation between actual Dark and Dynamite. Like, I wouldn't expect this to air on TV because it's still got a few middling things that make it very YouTube core to me. But it's also definitely a step above regular Dark. It's something I could see myself watching fairly regularly although i don't think i'm gonna keep up with this regularly just because there's so much goddamn shit to watch how was paul um, white in commentary paul white was great actually i was about to get on that uh Shiv it's amazing how like shivani is apparently extremely versatile because on dynamite he's like the kind of analytical like oh yeah they, they kind of did that and that kind of reminds me of that from back in the day guy on Dark Elevation, he's straight up doing Excalibur. Like, oh. during the Maki Ito match, he just kept shouting Kokeshi. And Paul and Paul White's sitting there like, yeah, that's really... She's got a really interesting variation on the diving headbutt and uh, the, the way she taunts her opponents. It's fascinating. Like, Paul White is a great analytical commentary guy. Big ups to him. I was not expecting him to be that good, but he totally carried the show. And you believed that him and Shivani had rapport from the get-go. Well, I mean, um, they did. Yeah, but it was like, uh, they haven't been on screen together in X amount of years. I wonder how this is going to work out, if it's going to be shaky at first. But, no, it was perfect. It was fine. Um, as for, like, matches and storylines itself, uh, I thought there was some fairly solid stuff on here. I enjoyed a few matches here and there. Some I was completely checked out for. The main event was great. Uh, Riho versus Maki Ito. Really, really fun. Um, those two were kind of made to go against each other, I think, because they're like exactly the same height. They're like mirror images of one another, and it's great. Um, Except one is and, extremely humble, and the other is, is, is Maki Ito. That's that's what I mean by mirror images. Like one is the sweetest girl and one is the cruelest girl. Um and then uh there was an interesting through line. They did an actual through line story, which had a bit of an issue that I'll get to in a second, where Mass Matt and Mike Seidel have a tag match and they win that tag match and they go backstage and they're cutting a backstage promo and Kenny Omega walks up and he's like Hey, I'm here on this new AEW show because I'm the AEW champion. Look at the belt on my shoulder. Ha ha ha. 
I'm scouting out talent. I want to see who's going to be rising up in the rankings from this show. And Matt Seidel, I think you've really got something to you. So tell you what, right now, I'm going to give you a shot at this title, a shot at getting a shot at this title. Because if you can beat my my guy here, my guy, the biggest, most badass guy I know, if you can beat Michael Nakazawa tonight, you will have a title match with me on Dynamite. And that match is happening right now. And then, because it's YouTube and they don't exactly care about the continuity, that match happened three match segments later. Mm. It's a problem they've had from Dark and whatnot, where there's where you can tell like stuff is not put together in proper sequence. Carried over to here, and it really annoyed me. Because when they were promoting it on Dynamite so much, I'm like, put a little more shine on there, please. Just a little more. Like, it doesn't have to be perfect, but I would like for events to happen in proper sequence. But, uh... Then the match between Matt and Nakazawa was actually pretty cool because Nakazawa is wrestling it. He doesn't do he doesn't do the baby oil thing. He's just in like full on backstage gear, just like a polo and khakis, and wearing a headset. And there's like there's there's a whole comedy level to that. But Seidel beats him pretty easily. It's like maybe a five minute match. And then Kenny comes out and he's like, "Oh, that's great. Uh, that was so great. I was so impressed." That uh, your match isn't going to be on Dynamite. You're going. You're going for the title right now, buddy. Ring the bell, and then he just gets him up and hits him in the one winged angel and pins him. And he's like, "Oh, look at me! Aren't, aren't I the best champion? I just got to win. Isn't that great?" And then Tony Khan, heel Tony Khan from Impact, comes out and he goes, "Actually, Kenny, that's bullshit. I." I'm fucking pissed off at you for doing that. And you know what? You've already gone against one gentleman's agreement in this company. You're not going to do that again. So Matt Seidel will have his title match on Dynamite in two weeks when he can have some proper prep time. And I was like, that's fucking awesome and badass. I actually would have loved it if they put that on Dynamite, but they put it on Elevation, which elevates the whole show. Yeah. Does that make Matt Seidel Batman? Kind of a little bit, yeah. Prep time. Mm-hmm. Genuinely, uh, that could be a really good gimmick for a wrestler. Yeah. Like, if, they, if they're throwing in a match, they fucking suck. But if they go like, oh yeah, I know I'm fighting this person next week, bang on, they're ba- uh, they're amazing. Time to study the tape. Uh, but um, then we had uh, the... TV episode of Impact this week, and not much super interesting happened on that. There was some shit between the Good Brothers and Finn Juice. Uh, there was another big all the guys in the ring X Division number one contendership match. Um, and something's happening in that women's division. I'm not sure what. Remember when that was the best women's division in wrestling? Yeah. Then WWE uh, pilfered all their talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, there was a pretty good promo, and by pretty good, I mean really damn good promo between Rich Swan and Don Callis, because Rich Swan comes out, or I think he had a match or something, like a short match, and then he cut a promo where he's basically like, I know what's at stake here, I know what it means to this company, this is the first title versus title, intercompany title versus title match in a long time. 
That is truly um, intercompany because the last time I think it might have happened was Invasion WWE. Yeah. Um, but they own WCW at that point. So it doesn't really count. Like, you'd have to go back to territory names. Um, and... No Ring of Honor New Japan. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, Rich Swan's like, this is a really big deal, and I'm really focused up on this match, and I really want to represent Impact well. And then Don Callis comes out and just shits all over him so perfectly, just gets inside his head going on and on about how you may be the best wrestler in this company. And you know what? I know I've been the invisible hand in your career, just like I have for Kenny Omega, but you're just a man. Kenny Omega is a god of pro wrestling. And, you know, I bet after you won the title on Sunday, you went home and you had a big party with all your friends and your wife because the pandemic totally isn't happening, even though we're standing in an empty warehouse. Um, but I bet you had a big party with all your friends and you just you tried to put that looming threat of the one-winged angel out of your mind and just have a good night and just enjoy some time with your friends and your family. But you probably went to bed with that night and snuggled up all nice and tight with your wife and went to sleep rather peacefully and then woke up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night just hearing my voice from every Kenny Omega match from New Japan and from the last few weeks of AEW screaming, One-Winged Angel! One-Winged Angel! One-Winged Angel! Because mark my words, Rich Swan, at Rebellion, those will be the last words you hear as Impact World Champion. And it's just like... Argh! It's fucking Paul Heyman hyping Brock Lesnar levels of good shit promo. Yep. I love it. I just need to Don Callis coming out with the Impact belt around his shoulder and Kenny wearing the AEW. And, like, I just also need the AAA title. Just wear it. Yeah. Maybe they don't, maybe they just don't have access to what it. What if they just hire a, what if they just hire a luchador to wear it for Kenny? <laughs> Fuego del Sol, that's the ultimate insult. Yes! <laughs> uh, no, no. They get Orange Cassidy to bring out the fire ant gear. <laughs> I think that may be pure Chikara IP. Mm. I don't know. Oh. We need more wrestlers that's willing to have a secondary character that's a mass wrestler just for the shits and giggles. Yeah. That that might be low-key a thing I'd like to do if I ever actually become a wrestler like I keep dreaming. I'm Don't saving. let your dreams be dreams. I am saving for wrestling school. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Make them memes. I'm working on it. I'm definitely working on it. Uh... You know what else I'm working on? Uh, getting drunk because we had Dynamite St. Patty Smash, bro, and you gotta drink your beer when you're... Uh, I don't even know what that accent is. That's not Scottish or Irish. What the fuck? Uh, Boston. I, fuck. I, yes, I was drinking while I was watching Dynamite this week, and it was glorious. Oh, well, St. Patty's Slam, not Smash. Yeah. Are you Irish? Um, I'm both. I am Irish on my mom's side and Scottish on my dad's side. I don't know why I'm you're bringing up Scottish. Irish. St. Patrick's Day has nothing to do with Scotland. I mean, 
people tend to throw them together, so I just go ahead and do it preemptively. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm the whitest kind of person you can probably make. Uh well. Speaking of white people, we had uh, the Prince of Pro Wrestling, Cody Rhodes, with Arn Anderson taking on the Lord of Lucha Libre, Penta El Zero Miedo, in your opening contest. You like what I did there? You like that? You like how I dunked on my boy? It's just fucking weird because you're talking about a dude who's Mexican and a dude who's half Cuban. Oh, I forgot that Cody. I always forget that Cody. Oh, everyone forgets that Cody's Cuban. Because Cody is the whitest motherfucker on that roster. Does he have strong genes other than the gut? The gut gene is weak. Yeah. He's the fucking... He's the most dude bro white guy on that roster. But he's half but, Cuban. Like, not toxically so. Gotta... Like the white, white person in this match was Arn Anderson. Yeah, that's exactly who I was referring to. I don't know what you were insinuating there, Chris, you fucking racist. But hey, St. Patrick's Day, at least in America, it's a day for everybody to have a little bit of Irish. Because just look at what Penta was doing this entire match. The fucking Penta memes that came out of this were glorious. And if there is not a ringside exclusive Penta El Zero Miedo with new hats announced in the next three months jeremy comb we're gonna have words jeremy padauer i mean because comb is his twitter handle but but that jeremy padauer we will have words penta penta is one of the most charismatic members of aew and it's amazing how well he gets how well he disproves any other wrestling promotion going like ah you need to speak english to get over in america mm-hmm. like You've been reading up on the Andrade situation? Uh, no, I heard he wanted his release, and he's confirmed, like, yeah, I, I asked for it. Uh, not getting it, but uh, I'll keep you guys posted kind of thing. Yeah, that's basically all there is. But also, like, that reminded me, back in the day when he and Charlotte dating was, like, a huge news thing, he was like, hey, Vince, I don't mean to be egotistical, but, like, I've been working my ass off. Could I please get a push? And Vince literally just looked up and went, learn some English, pal. Like, and, that's that's a legit confirmed story. And he's been practicing since day one in WWE. Mm-hmm. That, that's a, like, total props to him. I, I fucking respect the shit out of that. Yeah, hopefully good things are ahead for Andrade. Wherever he ends up landing when he eventually gets out of there. Well, I mean, he was um, in Triple A, wasn't he? So even if he, so. even if he goes, no, he'll see him uh, CMLL. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, sure. he'll see MLL. I know Mexican promotions. <laughs> uh, hey, let's talk about the the Hispanic match that we were starting to talk about, and then went on a, 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 t- a like five tangents there. Uh, uh, this match is great. Yeah. And it's definitely adding more to, hey, we're trying to break Cody's arm so he can go be on... I like how that's a story and not just an angle. Like, I I fully expected it to be, nah, just Cody gets fucked up at Revolution and then we don't see him for a while. But no, I think, like, maybe until the next big Dynamite thing, 
we're going to have just constantly Cody's arm getting a little more fucked up and a little more fucked up until finally Brandy's like, no, you go sit on that couch and you heal up. It's going to end with Penta finally breaking it. Probably. Because he's been like, he was, he was teasing it this whole match. Uh, and he did get a lot in the match, but eventually Cody did win with the roll-up. Yeah, just fucking real quick getting in there at one point. I saw some um, people complain about that, and I'm just like, why? It's a, it's, a, it's a simple finish, it keeps things, it doesn't become a definitive finish, but it's not a screwy finish, it's not a DQ. It's not a dusty finish, and I mean, it keeps the feud going. Yeah. Like going Especially like Especially because like Penta did a fucking brutal beatdown afterwards. Yeah. People are saying it makes Penta look stupid. It's like, no, it makes Penta look like a goddamn heel because he was overconfident. It's hubris. It's tragedy. And they kept playing with that, because immediately after he beats him down, uh Arn Dustin and the gun club come into the ring to save him, and Penta just jumps back outside and starts putting on hats and showboating again. Yeah. Like what? What are you gonna do? Huh? Huh? Look at me. I'm a spoopy skeleton man and they love me. <laughs> uh, and then we also had like a little more build into the QT storyline because after Penta's like outside of the ring and showboating, QT slowly walks out and literally somebody, I, I forget which one of them it was, but somebody in the Nightmare family literally shouted, where the hell were you? And he's just like, I was I was doing stuff. I didn't know. I just got here. Sorry. And then like Penta just walks up, looks at him, and then walks out the heel tunnel. And QT kind of eyeballs the heel tunnel. Yep, yep, yep. Hinting, hinting, hinting. Also, I like how uh, Billy Gunn kind of took a second because he's old to get into the ring. I'm gonna walk around. You guys can hop the fence and be up there immediately. I gotta walk. <laughs> um, Speaking of people in older age, did you did you see uh, Tony Hawk's last four fifty five hundred forty? I saw you post about it in your server. Honestly, Tony Hawk doesn't mean a whole lot to me. I know it's a big thing for a lot of people of our generation, but skating just wasn't a part of my life at all. It, it's just so like... I'm like I know who Tony Hawk is. I appreciate him, and I I appreciate that it's a big moment. But I'm like. Uh, okay. Imagine Dustin Rhodes doing his last fall down on his back punch spot. The fall down on the knee punch spot, Dusty spot. Mm. That like classic, it's a classic iconic, it's synonymous with him, and it's the last time he can do it. Because that's like a signature, like it's a signature famous move that Tony Hawk invented, and he and he was trying to pull off one last one, and he was basically like, I don't think I got another one in me. It's not safe for me to do anymore at my age. Wow. And he was just like, no, I'm, I gotta admit, I'm older now. And it's just kind of like a damn. Because that was his big... Time certainly is a bitch. That was, that's one of his big claims to fame was the uh, greater rotation in the Ollie up to the 900. I think he, even, I think he may have done the one after that. Uh, people have broken that since then. But over the year, past couple of years, he slowly had he, he couldn't do a 900 anymore. He couldn't do the one before that. 
Now you can't do a 540. It, it well, just it just sucks, you know? Yeah. But at least he got to be the TNT champion for a hot minute. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just love that Darby just goes like, hey, I'm going to hang out with skateboarders. Genuinely, Darby's probably doing have done some of the best brand representation for AEW out of any of the wrestlers. Yeah. Because wasn't he one of the people that went on Rooster Teeth, too? Uh, I don't know. I know... Scorpio Skies on the podcast? Well, this was like before, but this is pre-pandemic. There was some Rooster Teeth video that had AEW wrestlers in it. It was, I know Marco was in it, and then there were like, there was a women's roster uh, member and one other guy. I keep, and I think that other guy was Darby, but I'm not sure. Might be, but uh, but like Darby just hangs out with a bunch of skate pro skater people, and the pro skater people talk about like AEW. So it's like, oh, this is cool. Uh, but um, you want to get the next thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a, a little bit of a, a continuation of several bits and bobs. Uh, of Alex Marvez is talking to the Young Bucks, trying to get uh, get the get the vibe for what's going to happen, what their next title about. And then uh, Don Callis pops in, and the Bucks just go like, "Don, you're a liar. You're a cheat." Fuck you, 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 you lied about the, the bruise. And Don Callis goes like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I lied. All right, I lied. Okay. But it, it, come on. It, come on, it lit a fire underneath you. You, you, you were better after that. Come on. And he waved the t-shirt. That's the no, uh, leg slapping shirt <laughs> from BT. Just taking the shot. Do not care. I love it. Yeah, but that's that's pretty much it. It was just a continuation of Don Callis shitting on the Young Bucks and the Young Bucks kind of taking it. But it does um, lead into something but, later tonight, uh, later on in the night, so. Yeah, and then there were, well, there was some other thing about this that I wanted to make sure we mentioned, but it's gone now. Like many, many straight thoughts in my life. Yeah. I'm not getting that back. Okay. <laughs> uh, then we had uh, Jay Cargill versus Danny Jordan. Um, good to see Danny Jordan again. She's mostly been confined to dark, but I always love it when she pops up on Dynamite because she's got a fun gimmick, which is basically just she is the mean girl. She is that movie. Um, and uh, Jay Cargill squashed the shit out of her. She a looked great in doing it too. Mm-hmm. She's a, she she looks fantastic. She like she still I don't want to say rough around the edges, but she still has she still has that height to improve. Uh huh. If she's still got that height, period. Yeah. God damn. She she's a tall ass person. And freaking like she has her moves figured out. She has her signature shit figured out already. And that's she's, all she did in this match. She's the muscular hoss of the women's division. Because mm-hmm. you know there's there's two kinds of hosses. You have a fat hoss and a muscle hoss. Mm-hmm. Like Brian Cage, muscle hoss. Vader, fat hoss. Yeah. Uh Lance Archer. Batista, muscle hoss. Uh uh Will Hobbs? Fat hoss. Mm-hmm. 
Actually, he's kind of the best of both worlds. He's he's a barrel chested hoss, but like he he can move like a muscle hoss, but he has the weight behind him to do the uh, the fat hoss stuff. Um, yeah. But ultimately, uh, Jade pins Danny, and uh, she immediately goes outside and starts taunting Red Velvet. And there's a whole thing. The referee has to break them up. And uh, we're probably getting a singles match between those two sometime in the next couple weeks, I'd say. I would like that. Also, I really like how because Red Velvet is a smaller woman, they played they played in, into like the oh she is a goddamn Tasmanian devil when she gets wired up, and everybody's going like oh goddamn she's fucking going everywhere. Jesus Christ! She's like she's like Big Swole. If Big Swole could get super hyper, yeah. Big Swole has a mouth on her. But Red Velvet's got that speed. Yeah. She's wiry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the next, we have not the revelation. Not the we're horsemen not, coming. not for the main event, segment of the night. We have all decked out in classy-ass suits. Not like old school, mm-hmm. like contemporary suits. They look like modern chic men's wear suits they look like they just went to men's warehouse no not men's warehouse they went to a better men's warehouse like they went to a genuine tailor Ooh, yeah they, that's what it looks, that's what it feels like especially because like everybody's in their sunday best so sunday best but like they all feel individualized like because sean spears ftr dash and cash Mm-hmm. Wardlow, Tully Blanchard, and MJF all come out and basically go like, hey, statement of intent, fuck y'all, we the best. Alright, peace. That's it. That was pretty much the segment. But how it was said and the way that they held themselves, Inner Circle feels like a motley crew. It feels like a bunch of guys who go like, you know what, fuck them all. Let's just fucking work together. Yeah, let's work together. Team Taz is a unified front of anarchist gym bros. <laughs> yes. And then the Nightmare Family is a brand. It's branding, it's sponsorship, it's all that kind of stuff. And Dark Order is if Cobra Commander, if uh, if uh, Cobra from G.I. Joe was good guys. Okay. This is legitimately like a business operation. This feels like a business operation. This feels like a mafia. This feels like, no, we know what we are. We know what we are. We know what we are. We know what we're capable of. Fear us. Yeah. And like, here's the thing I could criticize MJF's portion of this promo for being extremely derivative of Triple H's original promo introducing Evolution. But, like, I'm not gonna, because I didn't care, because he so perfectly made it his own kind of thing, putting over all the guys in that same fashion. I mean, there's so only so much way you can change up, uh, hey, there's this wrestler, here's why they're cool. They're gonna be fucking good. There's only so many mm-hmm. ways you can say that. In my opinion. Yeah. Um uh, but totally like, laying the field out for going like, you know what, I was part of the four horsemen. We were one of the fucking greatest. These guys, 
they're gonna put the four horsemen to shame. It's like, and like, oh, that kind of like language, that kind of idea. Because I'm, I am very much truncating what he said. Yeah, I'm like, I've heard people say Tully is a preacher, that that's his day job, um, for lack of a better term, before. Um, I've never felt it until this promo. Like, he felt like proper hellfire and brimstone Southern Baptist preacher in this promo, and I loved it. And here's the thing, like, it, it bled into everything, because MJF was the only other person to speak. And normally MJF is smart. He is, like, smart Alec. he is... He, he's quippy. He was not very quippy. He told... He was going like, this guy's so badass, he's going to... Blah, 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 blah. Well, he made a whole point out of, like, I played into Chris Jericho's ha-ha comedy bullshit for months, and I'm done with it now. Yeah. But, like, everybody... Everybody was in, like, a suit that reflected themselves. Like, Sean Spears looked tight. It looked con- consent... Uh, to- it it looked it looked tight to his body. It looked he looked good in it, but it was a lighter suit. You know, it just fit. FTR was in blue, and it was just like classic. Like now we're a team because they were the only ones who matched. You know what they looked like? They looked like they were on a um, FTR specifically. They looked like they had just come from a um, like a really fancy beach barbecue. But like everybody looked good. And the name. How do you feel about the name? It's not perfect. I honestly would have preferred what you said, the revelation. But it's good, it's fine, it's marketable, and it works. It's perfectly thematic for all of them. So I'm fine with it. I think it's going to be in, like, one month's time we're going to treat it like how we treated the Inner Circle. Because at the beginning it was like, eh... And then we just got like, yeah, inner circle, inner circle, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and they need a better shirt, because, like, the shirt they have up on AEW right now looks super generic. Well, I mean, it's kind of keeping in tradition, because, like, they're a new Four Horsemen kind of group. The Four True. Horsemen never had great t-shirts. True. Uh, um, but also, um, I can't remember if it was Stash or Cash, it was one of FTR, uh, retweeted a video that someone made of, like, all the times any of them said, like, Pinnacle. Mm-hmm. And it, was, it goes back to, like, January of last... It goes so far back. And, like, Tony Schiavone flat out said on commentary, hey, remember back at the beginning of the Pandemic Era episodes when MJF and Sean Spears were betting on matches in the crowd? I wonder if that was the genesis of this group. Hmm. Yeah, because that ultimately was the first time MJF talked to Tully and Sean, and then Tully and went to like total bros. Yeah, and then Tully went to FTR. He probably brought that connection, and MJF brought in uh, Wardlow. Also, really like how long it's taking Wardlow to turn face because they they keep hinting at it. And then every once in a while, MJF makes it up to him, and he goes like, okay, this job ain't that bad. Mm -hmm. Which is fun. Also, I really enjoy his Hawaiian undershirt. Yeah. And, like, just how much he, like, puffs up and gets happy when MJF is putting him over. Nah. These guys are gonna be fucking great. 
I can't wait to see what their the first feuds to come out of them are. Mm-hmm. Oh, I I want them to just straight up feud as heels against a face inner circle for the next like three months. Oh, and you can you can do that for a while. Yeah, just keep switching out, do different kinds of matches, do promos and shit to set up matches. And, like, they were talking about this on Wrestling Observer Radio today. You could build this to finally get that War Games match. Oh, yeah, 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 blood and guts. Um, And, like, going off of that, also, I really kind of want, um, after, after that feud's done... I want face inner circle versus heel Matt Hardy and Pop. I think Ooh. that could be great as well. That could be interesting. You know what I would love to see? Because they go like, oh, we want championships. Where's like all the belts are wrapped up in storylines right now. Mm-hmm. Like they're introduce not... the trios championship. Trios could work, but also I was thinking, what if the next feud uh the Pinnacle go after is Dark Order? because think about it we're serious people we're taking wrestling serious this is a sport and we're here to make money we're here to make legacies who the fuck are all you yokels going on about meat why does that child have a belt give us that belt you want to get massive fucking healy have them try and steal the belt from brody jr Mm mm-hmm but like, like have MJF cut a just a huge ass promo against like Colt Cabana and go like, "Yo, you were you were landmark in Jewish representation in professional wrestling, and look at you now, you're a joke. You were look so- how far you have fallen from grace, Dad. Because <laughs> yeah. that's a thing from the Indies. Yeah, but like that's the like you could play into that kind of stuff. Imagine FTR just having f- different fights against uh uh Grayson and Uno and uh Beaver Boys. Yeah. Or fucking f- uh 5 and 10. Oh, 5 and 10? Yeah. 5 and 10 just going up against anybody. 10 being the underdog big beefy boy against Wardlow. Oh, yes, please. But, but, like, that could play so well into the, fuck you, we're serious. What the fuck are you guys doing? Because that's kind of that was kind of FTR's uh, bit with uh, Jurassic Express. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think it, uh, Jurassic Express came out of that ten times better. Because their gimmick is still goofy, but you take it seriously now. And speaking of Jurassic Express... Um, we had, <laughs> next up on the card... The Matt Hardy Empire versus Jurassic Express and Bear Country. This, this is a really solid match. This is a solid match, but also some interesting angles being taken place because I'd say about... It estab- firmly establishes the new Matt Hardy status quo and then sets up a feud for Jurassic Express going forward. It also gives Bear Country a legitimate thing to do. Like, it's a legitimate storyline, and it's like... It fits because they're big, beefy, like, uh, we don't give a fuck, we fight kind of folk going up against Jurassic Express who have a lot of, like, plans and strategies they use, and they just get got fucked over. And it's just like, Jesus, mm-hmm. guys, why are you doing this? That's not how we work. 
Yeah. Oh, it was great. Okay. And also just like the entire time, uh, Cassidy and Quinn being so weirded out by Butcher and Blade that they don't even notice that Matt is just waiting to steal the pin, which he eventually does after hitting a, a twist of fate on Marco's stunt. Yep. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, this was a fun match. And yeah, uh, I, I like can't wait to see Bear Country and Dress Express do some more things. Especially if this means Bear Country is going to be more, like, genuine uh, AEW bound. Definitely. Let's start building that next week, please. Yes. Tony, please. Our five, The $5 you pay us got to mean something. Yeah, I need, I need my, uh, you know what? Uh, you wanna you wanna give me those stimmies and have me say nice things, Papa Tony? You gotta you gotta give me my Jurassic Express versus Bear Country next week. That's the condition. Uh, but my condition is we we need we need this buddy cop movie of John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Dude, this they just straight up did a GPW promo. I was losing my shit with how wonderfully rambly it was. Goddamn, the beginning of it was just perfect because Eddie goes. How you feeling? And then Moxley's going, all right, I know the perfect way to start this promo. Ask me how I'm doing. And Eddie just goes like, I just did, you dumbass. Oh, you (laughs) did, right. (laughs) And then, like, just rambling on about, like, how weird Gallows and Carl Anderson is and how creepy they are and fucking what's going on with this thing and that and all these weird disparate storylines that they're kind of related to and just being like, who who gives a shit? And comparing Luke Gallows to goddamn Forky. Oh my god. It's great. It, great. It was just really good, really solid. I enjoyed this immensely. And just Eddie Kingston reacting to John is just... They are the best of friends. And I hope they work together for a while. Like, John Moxley going, like, I should be on a beach relaxing with uh, with a Mai Tai. And Eddie Kingston was like, he drinks fucking Mai Tais? Okay, whatever. What has that girl done to him? What did Connecticut do to him? Jesus. <laughs> uh, um, but then we had uh, Dasha Gonzalez backstage talking to Christian Cage. Finally, we get some speaking shit out of Christian Guess I was, was right. wrong. There, I said it. Dun, 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 dun. Because Christian, Christian just straight up goes like, "Yeah, I had an interaction with Kenny Omega. Yeah, I'm I'm the old guy who's come into this locker room full of young people, and I'm immediately in a main event scene. It's kind of weird, but I didn't." I'm not going to go for the title next week. I just wanted to see Kenny Omega. I've never been in the same room as the guy. So, of course, I got into it with him. And, you know, of course, I'm going after that title because, you know, workhorses are a thing. And for a long time, I was known as a big workhorse. But I don't want to be known as a big workhorse anymore. I want to be known as the workhorse. So I'm here in AEW to prove that. And I'm going to get those wins. And I'm going to work my way up them the rankings and eventually one day down the road i will see you in the ring kenny omega because i want what everybody in this company should want and that's to be the champion and it was like god all right sold okay here's the thing i've never seen christian wrestle i i've known of christian christian's like one of those people you know 
You've seen Christian wrestle. You watched that TNA pay-per-view with me for Analytical Fanboys. You're right. Do you think I remember shit? <laughs> That's true. I just like calling you out on your bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, like, it, I never extensively. I never followed any storylines with Christian. It's always been like, oh, of I know of Christian. I've seen a match or two. This made me a fucking fan. Because I was just like, damn. Because it's simple. It's precise. It's... What this is, is a scalpel of a promo. It's a, it's surgical, it's precise, it, it does exactly what it needs to do. No more, no less. Like, I get the feeling he had, like, five versions of this promo in his head, and he just asked, how much time do I have? Okay, number three. It, he, is, he is a workhorse, genuinely. This is what it feels like. And I mean, like, he's been called one of the greatest minds in modern wrestling. And this really gets that across. Like, the guy knows his shit. He, like, from everything I've read and seen, it seems like he's like William Regal. Your favorite wrestler's favorite wrestler. Mm-hmm. Like, the guy... He's the guy that they go, hey, what do you feel about this? Even if they're, like, main event and he's not right now at that point in time. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no. He he wants to be in the main event scene, but he's working for it. Ah. You were right, and I was wrong. But it just means that AEW is genuinely, like, knows what the fans' response is going to be. Because we saw him go up against Kenny and go, like, hey, I want this thing. And and immediately and, I was like, fuck no. And the internet was, like, agreed with you. It was like, no, we criticized WWE for the same exact thing. We should criticize AEW for doing the same thing. Mm. And AEW was like, yeah. It is bullshit that that can happen. It's not gonna happen. And it's just... It was really good. I enjoyed it. Also, he didn't get interrupted. Yeah, it was just a character introduction. Like, I would not be surprised if on Twitter and so sometime in the next couple days, we see Christian Cage will be in action on Dynamite this week, and he just has a match on Dynamite. Like, a solid, good 10-15 minute match against a name from the roster and we just see him start working his way up the rankings don't give him another promo for a while just let him have solid matches for a while to prove that workhorse thing and then when he gets close to going for a title let him talk some more you know what i would love to see because they have the working partnership and relationship christian cage versus nick aldis Please. Two men who who view themselves as like workhorses, putting the industry on their back, carrying it forward. Mm. That'd be interesting. That'd be fascinating. Did you see they announced uh, the they the match that uh, Aldis will be having at uh, Back for the Attack like two days ago? No, what was it? And of course I can't remember it now. Oh, Aaron Stevens. He's fighting Aaron fucking Stevens for the NWA championship. Neat. But, uh, no. That, that was a good fucking promo. And I can't mm -hmm. wait to see more Christian Cage. But, you know what we did see a good bit of? We saw some Eddie Kingston. We saw some John yep. Moxley. And we saw some Brothers Good. 
And we barely saw a match because most of it was a beatdown in the beginning. Yeah. But it's so... It helped to sell the current status quo of Mox so well. And, like, all those spots during the match when he actually gets back in. And he's really selling that shoulder injury. Oh, that's good shit. And it also sold how Eddie and John are kind of like two guys keeping the other off the cliff. Mm-hmm. Like, at any point in time, John's on the cliff. He's in trouble. Eddie's right there holding on to him. And then it switches in, like, five minutes. And you go, like, oh, you can't believe how well they do it. Brothers who fight for each other. Almost like another another certain protective gimmick that Mox had once upon a time. Yep. Who? What, what who do you could think be the that? new Roman? Because Eddie Wardlow turns face. Wardlow turns face. <laughs> because Eddie Kingston's that kind of like analytical mind of wrestling that kind of fits the the the, the Seth Rollinsy kind of. Dan. Dan. But it's New York, so it's like it's still nasally, but it's like hey John, hey John. Uh, but, uh, Mox does get the win against the good bros. Yeah. Uh, that's great. but then he gets beat down some more. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I don't know what I was going to say. Keep going. You, you have you, yeah, your thing. Uh, no, I was, if you want the floor, you can get the floor. Uh, but the Bucks come in and go like, guys, what the fuck you doing? This is kind of dumb and bullshit. That's after... <laughs> After Kenny Omega comes in, like, goddamn West Side Story. I was thinking Ric Flair, but okay. No, but he was snapping. He was going like, eh. It's really a West I Side Story. I was expecting him to lean back and go, Whoop. I mean, he did, he was wearing the suit and the glasses, kind of, kind of Flair-ish. Mm-hmm. But, um, the, buck, uh, the Bucks come in and go like, guys, what the fuck are you doing? This is kind of dumb. It's bullshit. And then... Kenny, the good bros, and Don all do the too sweet, and Bucks go like, "Come on, friends, friend, don't you know, friend, we're friends, friend, friend, be friends, help friend, friend." And then the Bucks go like, "No," and then they go like, "All right, fuck you. You do know what this means, right? You do know what you're turning your back on, essentially." Mm-hmm. Just like this means war. Yep, and it's gonna be interesting to see what happens, especially because here's the thing. They're on it, unmatched, uneven. It's Good Bros and Kenny versus Bucks and Hangman. Maybe, but right. I also foresee the Bucks potentially teaming up with Cody to go against uh, Death Triangle. There's a variety of things that can happen, but it, it's basically saying like the Bucks are. Definitely not aligned with. Bucks team up with Cody to help each other out against Death Triangle, and then the Super Elite decide, all right, fuck you, we're coming in. That's how Cody's shoulder finally gets broken, and so Cody's just like, I'm sorry, I have to go. And then the Bucks are like, who do we got left? Just hear people yelling from the Dark Order, bro. And they walk over. 
and finally the Dark Order is able to help them actually talk about their bullshit and not just mm -hmm. go like, I don't feel like I belong. What the there's fuck an episode there's an episode of BTE that's just a full on therapy session for twenty minutes. God damn, that'd be so good. Uh, uh, okay. Um next bang. The segment that literally when they were running down the card at the top of the show, I threw up my hands and went, God fucking damn it, not again. Um at this point it's a joke. It has to be again. Dude, dude, here's the thing. This made me this turned me around on that statement. I was like, all right, I'm sorry, show. That was good. Because we have Tony Schiavone talking to Sting and Darby Allen and They actually get Sting, some sentences in too. Yeah, Sting's just like, Yeah, I'm cool, I'm doing stuff. Look at Darby Allen, he's a TNT champion, and Darby's like I've only defended this belt for eight times. That's fucking stupid. Remember when Cody defended it every week? I want to do that now. And everybody's like, "All fucking right, let's do it." And he's but I mean, like, like he's, he's saying, saying like, "Team it. Taz, you you wrapped me up in your bullshit. I haven't been able to do my duty as champion." Mm hmm. And I like that because he's basically, I finished with Team Taz. I've had three. I have had more matches now, defending the belt. This is a good thing. Yeah. And so he goes, I'm going to start doing it by paying tribute to the greatest TNT champion of all time. Instant fucking Brody chance. You gotta love it. Um, and he just goes, all right, Dark Order. Any one of you that wants a shot at this belt, meet me in the ring next week. And that's great. And then uh, Lance and Jake come out. And they start cutting a promo on Sting and being like, yo, where's our TNT title shot? What the hell? Why do we keep getting overlooked? What's going on? And they leave. And then Team Taz comes out. And Brian Cage just walks right up to Sting and is like, you know what? Respect. You still got game. You're still the icon. I disagree with Ricky. You still got it, man. And all of Team Taz is just going like, what the fuck? Dude, what are you fucking doing? What are you talking about? And Brian Cage just turns around and walks out through them. And it's like, I was not expecting a Brian Cage face turn, but all right, check on. And like, it totally makes sense because Brian Cage never seems to be the kind of, never seemed to be the unsportsmanlike kind of character. He's the guy who goes like, no, I'm the best. And if you beat him, he's like, you know what? You're better. But I'll be better next time. Kind of, kind of guy. Yeah. Because that's what it feel, felt like. It didn't feel like you're better than me and you'll always be better than me. It felt like we were wrong to underestimate you. We'll know better. We know better next time. Yeah. And I really want to see where this goes. I really want to see, like, Taz, could Taz strip him of the FTW championship? I saw one idea, which was basically, what if Ryan Cage fully turns face, keeps the belt, and then Taz just throws bodies at Brian Cage to steal the belt back? And that's how you that's get, how we get Layla Hirsch and Team Taz. <laughs> and that's just how they 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 build up the FTW uh, belt. Yeah, that'd be good. 
So what was it that made this segment that, that, that like, turned the segment around on you? Because you were, like, frustrated at it, and then... It was just the absurdity of it, and the fact that they kept making fun of themselves. Like, there, there's literally a moment when where Tony Schiavone is like, really? Interrupted again? Are, are you kidding me? What's going on here? And, like, Darby, Darby acknowledging how bullshit it is that he's been tied up in these segments for so long. Like, all that, all that was a lot of goodwill towards, like... Okay, yeah. If this is if this is a more running gag than it is lazy booking now, I'm fine with it. I think it's fine as like I I don't think it should last too too much longer if it's a running gag. Mm-hmm. It's a funny running gag as it is. It was boring, but now it's gotten to the point where it's like God damn it. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Like I kinda wanna see a BTE segment that Sting starts. And it just gets interrupted by a completely different BTE segment. Yes. Sing always gets interrupted. That'd be great if that's just his gimmick now. He can't get a proper sentence in anymore. Nobody respects their elders in AEW. There's a BTE segment. He's eating something. And, like, the fork goes down and it comes back up as cake. And it's like, what? He His meal got interrupted. Someone put cake in front of him. <laughs> Uh, I would hope Sting would be down for BT segments at some point. Sting seems like a cool old dude wrestler. Mm-hmm. I've not heard any word on what he's actually like backstage yet, so I, I hope he's being a cool dude. Yeah. But, uh, again, segment was good. But the next thing, I love this video package. It's Scorpio Sky basically just cementing his heel character of basically, like... Y'all overlooked me. I don't like that. I'm going to be the best. Push come to shove. I'll make you respect me. Literally no more Mr. Nice Guy is what he basically said. Yeah. And yeah, I enjoyed it too. Because it doesn't feel like I'm a heel because, haha, cheat, cheat, I win this way. It feels like I'm a heel because it's the only way to get you to fucking pay attention to me. Mm Mm-hmm. I need to go this extra level of violence and brutality to get respect. Oh my. Do you think this is like a, a subtle black people have to be super gangsta to get attention in the music industry kind of a thing? It might be, but it also, like, there was, I, I think, there was a level of, like, racial undertones in this video package. Because he did bring up Cody and Darby. Well, remember his DNT championship match literally kicking the door in. Yeah. And, like, it does feel... it. it there is there is a very, very subtle twinge of, basically, I am not given the same opportunities as others because of who I am. Mm-hmm. And, like, you can read that as black, you can read that as... I'm an underused talent. I can you can read that as like you could read it as typecasting. Oh, Scorpio Sky, the tag team guy, right? He's the first champion. And oh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Worst Town I've ever been in. I remember those BT segments. What are you doing now? Yeah, but that's like, but it, it can be read multiple ways. So there is that. It's very subtle, and I like. I prefer that if they tackle something like this, unless they know mm-hmm. exactly what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. I mean, the last thing we want is uh, uh, the AEW version of Booker T versus Triple H. 
or the nation of domination. <laughs> you forgot about them for a minute, didn't you? Yeah, I, I forget how bad they actually were in terms of racial sensitivity because they're a thing that a lot of wrestling fans are, like, nostalgically fond of these days. Because I think they remember the cool parts of just, like, oh, these black dudes are fucking being at badasses to get respect. And then you remember, oh, wait a second, it's wrapped up in a bunch of weird bullshit. Okay? Mm-hmm. Well... And people also just remember the entrance theme, which is a pretty good entrance theme. It is a banger. It is a banger. It, you can understand that one gif of the white boy doing the black power sign. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> but no, this video package is really good. I can't wait to see more Sky. Because it definitely feels more like heel-leaning tweener. Mm-hmm. Which is which is always a we 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 always a good thing. It it, it kind of uh, throwing it back to the nation. It almost reminds me of the Rock going like, "Oh, die Rocky, die." That's the level of respect I get from you pieces of crap when I when I'm working my ass off every week. All right, fuck you. Yep. Uh oh, me. Uh, squash match. Ray Phoenix with Pack versus Angelico. It was fine. Yeah, it it was to it was a way to get Ray Phoenix on the card because Ray Phoenix matches always do are always pretty good. Mm-hmm. And look, here he is next to another athletic boy. Maybe they can get some stuff in in the short amount of time we got. Oh, they got a thing in. Okay, that works. But also, it keeps building uh, Ray Phoenix and. Uh, 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 wins and losses. Yeah. And it, it also reminds you of, like, hey, this is a thing that's kind of stewing around. Yeah. Keeping keeping those, keeping Ray and Pac on your mind, reminding you that they are an ever-present threat for the Bucks, and they're still holding strong on the call, on the uh, rankings. I'm being hailed. I'll be right back. We'll be right back, folks. I am also switching camera. Off camera, off. watch those transitions those are slick as shit bro because those are new this week people if you haven't (laughs) noticed nobody's here to notice people watch this back but do they though yeah and now you're echoing um or no i i left the audio on (laughs) i smart So Alex Marvez is talking to Miro and the Kip Sabian boy uh, backstage and basically like, hey, uh, Chuck T and Orange Cassidy laid down a challenge for you last week. Hey, Miro, do you want to respond to it? And Miro goes like, no, I'm 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 training for the championship. I'm training to I'm training to win matches and go for the championship. I have no time for them now. 
it doesn't matter. I'm I'm on to bigger things. Basically saying I am being the Miro everybody wants me to be. Yeah. But Kip comes in and goes like, "No. Fuck them. They ruined my they ruined my wedding. I want revenge." And Miro goes like, "All right, fine. But just know this. We're in a match. I don't give a shit about you. I don't care about Penelope. All I care is about the win." And Kip goes, oh, "We're still bros outside the ring." Yeah, and Kip just looks like, oh god, what have I done? I brought this monster into AEW. Mm-hmm. And, and like Alex Marvez goes like, so do you want the match? And Kip goes like, yeah, I want the match. It's making me really sympathetic for Kip right now. Yeah, Kip's going to get the crap kicked out of him by more than just those two guys next next week. That's when that match is happening, right? Yes. But like this this made that match like feel 10 times more important. Definitely. Where it's getting late and you're getting tired, so let's let's go forward. What are some of the matches we're getting next week? Uh, we are getting Nyla Rose versus Tay Conte. Big hype for that, honestly, because yes. those two haven't had a match before, uh, and I think they're both pretty great. Uh, the Pinnacle, which will be MJF and the tag team, uh, versus the Varsity Blondes. Ooh, that should be good. That, that and Dante Martin. I almost forgot him. Yeah, I feel don't. bad about that. I apologize, Dante. You don't watch this. And uh, Darby Allen versus a Dark Order member. Is Which, we then go backstage go to the Dark Order, who are all gathered around, and Alex Marvez basically says, so, who's challenging? And they're all like, well, I... I could maybe, I'm being hailed I again! We're going off, uh, we're, camera's going off, I'm being hailed again. Okay. I am sorry about that, folks. It's alright, it happens. Yep. But we were talking about... Doo, 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 uh, oh, yes. Uh, Alex Marvez is back in the Dark Order lair, and he asks them who is going to be facing Darby Allen next week. And they all kind of look around and go like, well, who should who should be? Who should be? And Minus One pops out, and he goes, it's got And Evil Uno is just like, it's nice, Brody. Maybe in a decade. Why don't you just, why don't you just calm down? We'll get you a Capri Sun, and it'll be all right. But who's really going to challenge him? And everybody just kind of looks. And John Silver's like, the main man! No, 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 no. Everybody starts to volunteer themselves. But then Alex Renner goes, what about John Silver? Oh, yes, I forgot about that. That's wholesome. I like that. Yeah. Um, so that was nice. And then also, just before the main event, we got a quick little bit where the Pinnacle are backstage and they walk up to the Inner Circle locker room, take off the Inner Circle logo, put on a Pinnacle logo, and just go like, Chris, your time is over. And they walk in. Damn. It looks like a sports logo, too. Yeah. Because Inner Circle looks like a band logo because it's Chris Jericho and he's aging rock star aesthetic. Yeah. But the pinnacle, no, they look like they look like a sports team. And that's yeah. kind of the, 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 the vibe they give. Mm-hmm. But then the the lights go off. Uh, that's technically the end of the show. So 
the lights come back on. <laughs> I was trying to do a bit. Didn't quite work. Uh, this is the first Lights Out unsanctioned match on Dynamite Television. And it's their first ever women's main event. But they never brought that uh, thing up. It was always, they always brought up, this is the first unsanctioned match on Dynamite. That's it. Mm-hmm. They never went like, also, it's the first ladies main event. But it's... And apparently, the plan was always to blow them off in an unsanctioned match. They just didn't know when and where. I think this was uh, worth it for what it was, because it was Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, with Reba, not Rebel. I love how that's her gimmick now. <laughs> because her TNA name was so similar to her new AEW name. That they had to, to lampshade it. Versus Thunder Rosa. On a scale of, oh my god, the fuck amazing, uh, where do you place this match? This is a tooth in the nose on the McFoley scale. Ooh. Uh, this was probably the hardest, hardest hardcore style women's match I've seen. I mean, like, I, I don't want to just say what Brian Alvarez said, but I really agree with him. I was expecting chairs. I was expecting tables, maybe a ladder. But, like, we got so much more than that. We got both the ladies juicing like crazy. We got all these crazy spots, attacks from the outside, an amazing, amazing thumbtack spot. The best thumbtack spot I think I've ever seen because, goddamn, that was like fucking glitter in Britt Baker's skin for the rest of the match. Mm-hmm. It was just, oh, it was so damn good legitimately one of the best like Dave Meltzer said it so it's got to be true one of the best women's matches of all time it is it is damn good it is it is a high mark for AEW mm-hmm. who and just that video that came out the next day of everybody backstage like hugging them and telling them how good they did so freaking awesome apparently Adam uh uh Cole Cole, I wanted to say Ross for some reason. All right, uh, Adam Cole did the Britt Baker face on Twitter. I I haven't seen that. I'll have to go look that up. <laughs> uh, Mick Foley had a great response. He just did. It was a. It was him watching a clip of them doing the thumbtack spot, and he just pointed the camera at himself and was like, "Good job." And, like, before even that, he retweeted a gif of the match and went, this looks fun, where can I watch it? And then he tweeted that, like, 20 minutes later. Goddamn, it is... Genuinely, this is putting people together. It's like... Because... It's also, I think, the first purpose purpose cut I think I've seen on a women's match. We've seen blood before, but it was always by accident. It was always... What good shots they got of those juicings, too. God damn, like, Britt Baker looked like a... Standing up with the Crimson Mask, that's going to be an iconic dynamite shot for years to come. Britt Baker looked like the psycho bitch at prom. Yeah. It's that vibe of, like, Jesus Christ. And, like, 
man, that finish. I was I was so sure Rosa was going to get the shit kicked out of her and lose so she could go back to NWA for a while. And it gave her the win. Every time, every fucking time, I think I have AEW called. They go the other way, and it makes me so much more happy. But, like, they did so much, neither of them looks any weaker in defeat. Mm-hmm. And, like, this is this is a legendary moment that will be, like... This is the kind of thing, like, you know how certain, like, sometimes in tag team promos they'll go, like, Oh, yeah, Bucks and uh, Kenny Omega and Paige had one of the best tag team matches of all time. I want to be better than that. This is going to be one of those matches. Yeah. This is like one of those like tentpole. This is the kind of match that you can realistically build a division around. Definitely. I mean, like a lot of people think um, Britt Baker's going to be the next champion. But, like, after this match, I think Thunder Rose is getting another title match. And both those matches are going to be banger if this is anything to tell. But, I mean, like, dude, just look at how much Britt Baker has improved since the start of Dynamite. Her her ring work wasn't bad, but it was nothing to write home about. It was B-plus solid. She had next to no character. And now she's, like, the most characterful woman on the roster. And she kicked fucking ass during this match genuinely all AEW needs to finally like put the nail in the coffin and have like one of the most banging women's divisions uh in wrestling right now is just COVID needs to fucking go away so they can have Joshi's on the regular that's Mm -hmm. it that's all they need to do because Jade Cargill Red Velvet Thunder Rosa Britt Baker Layla Hirsch Chris Statlander. And then you have on the other side, Hikaru Shida, Riho. Maki Ito. Mizunami, Maki Ito. Emi Sakura. Kong, mm. Nyla Rose. Oh. Tay Conte. Anna Jay? Anna Jay cannot get back from injury fast enough. But genuinely, like... When you lay it out like this, other than maybe the four horsewomen of WWE, I think this is, like, it's getting to be the stronger roster. I mean, like, it's still got a ways to go, but it's getting. It's getting, but, like, compared to compared to how AEW treats Red Velvet versus, like, mm-hmm. Liv Morgan. Yeah. Or, like, the fucking limbo state Rhea Ripley's in right now. Have you heard about that? No, what's going on? So she was supposed to debut for Raw at the Rumble. And she did that. And now, for just, like, the last three weeks on Raw, they've been airing the same Rhea Ripley is coming soon video package. Because, say it with me, folks, creative has nothing for her. Remember when she won the NXT women's title and we all thought she was going to be the women's Hulk Hogan? Yeah. 
Remember when Triple H made NXT and we were all so hopeful that this was going to mean better wrestling in WWE? I mean, I try not to make this the dunk on WWE show, man, but it, at, at times it really does feel like we're in that Thanos meme. And it's like, did you get great wrestling? Yeah. What did it cost? NXT. But, like, genuinely, like, Serena Deeb! Oh, Serena Deeb, I completely forgot about her. Like, that's how good this women's division is getting. We forget about, like, major great wrestlers. Who are champions at the moment. Yeah, but they're not AEW champions. Uh... But, like, holy shit. Also, here's the thing. They have a working relationship with New Japan. Does that include stardom? Probably. Imagine all those stardom Joshis. Venny! We forgot Venny! Venny? And, like, with that stardom connection, there's a certain, um, a certain green-haired lady who used to be on Dynamite, who, who could come back at any time. Doors probably open. And here's the thing. There's other women's wrestlers that... Because it's easier to work with, w, uh, with AEW than it is to work with WWE because WWE likes exclusive contracts and all that kind of stuff. But with AEW, it's like, no, you want to do a couple matches? Cool, let's... Just do a couple matches. If you get over, we'll ask you to do more. Yeah. Imagine treating independent contractors genuinely like independent contractors. It's almost as if there's benefits for actually treating a position like the position it is. It's almost like Papa Papa Tony. He's he's the woke, the actually woke smart good, wholesome, rich guy that we never thought could exist. I mean, he's still rich. I, like, dude, I'm not saying Tony Khan's my best friend and, like, I'll, go, I'll, I'll fucking die for him or anything. I am low-key always just looking over my shoulder for the moment he becomes shitty. But he's fostered so much goodwill in the last, what has it been, I think we're almost three years into AEW now? Yeah. But, like, I... I... I just always want to put that asterisk. Tony Khan is a good guy. But you don't become a billionaire by being a good man. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like, let's be honest. At the moment right now, we are we are liking Tony Khan in the same way that Reddit liked Elon Musk a couple of years ago. Some circles of Reddit still like Elon Musk in that way. but The fuckboy circles of Reddit still like Elon yeah but overall banging main event it's probably one of the best yeah. main events we've had recently it was fantastic 